Good morning, everyone. Sad that we couldn't be with you in person this morning, but my wife and I spent some time earlier this week with a friend of ours uh, who, in the process of hanging out, found out that he had been uh, exposed to someone who had tested positive for COVID-19. So our friend uh, went and, get, and got tested. Uh, it is likely his test will come back negative. Uh, and therefore, it's likely that, you know, my wife and our family is totally fine. Uh, but because those test results won't be back in until tomorrow or uh, the next day, we decided to play it safe because we just don't know. We don't have the information yet. Uh, and so we decided to stay home this Sunday. Uh, if you're gathered there in person this morning, you'll probably notice that it's a very uh, sort of stripped down, even simpler gathering than we had last Sunday. Uh, we didn't fully flip the room. There's no coffee and snacks. Kids is going to be in a, a simpler format. Uh, all of that is a sort of stripped down this morning and very basic because we had a number of leaders uh, and people serving from all over the place and hospitality and kids, uh, one of our elders, a sound team, all across the board. Uh, we had people who are quarantining this weekend for a whole variety of reasons and backstories. Uh, nobody's sick right now, but everyone for different reasons is sort of uh, playing it safe based on the individual circumstances they were in this week. So very simple gathering this morning. We're hoping to be back in greater force next Sunday and in the Sundays to come after that. And we just want to say thank you for your patience, uh, for your resilience over these last six months and all that they've brought. And uh, we want to continue to embody those things as a community, that same patience, that same resilience, that same uh, solidarity and unity as a community moving forward in the weeks and months to come. Uh, in the meantime, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 4 verse 1, and we'll pick up there in a moment as we continue in our fall series, uh, which is simply called Witness. Uh, in which we examine what it looks like to be a vibrant and effective church in the midst of an increasingly post-Christian culture. Uh, thousands of churches are closing their doors permanently every year in America, far more than are being planted. And yet, uh, in the midst of this culture in which churches are closing, in which sort of public levels of faith seem to be dropping by all measures, standards in which it feels as if uh, skepticism and cynicism are constantly on the rise. Uh, it's in this very time, place, and culture uh, that Jesus has called us to witness, uh, to reach out, to touch, to transform, not just individual lives, but over time, truly the culture as a whole. Um, how do we do that? How do we exist as vibrant and effective witnesses in this cultural moment that we live in? That's the question that we're going to be carrying with us through this series as we go. Uh, we're picking up this morning in Matthew 4 verse 1. Uh, Jesus has just emerged in this story. Uh, in the verses right leading up to this story, Jesus has just emerged 
from decades of obscurity. And uh, he's come out into the desert to be baptized by a man named John the Baptist. And in the process, the heavens open up. Uh, the voice of God speaks over him. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus is anointed with the Holy Spirit in a unique way at his baptism. And then immediately following, we read this fascinating account. Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to, a, to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Let's pray. Jesus, we uh, look to you this morning uh, in a world that in some ways feels uh, crazier than it did uh, a decade ago or even two or three. Uh, we look to you as the way and the truth and the life. Uh, we, we know you are the living embodiment of those things. And so as we explore those concepts tomorrow, as we think about our discipleship to you, as we think about what it means uh, to be your witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and to the ends of the earth in Spokane, Washington, and well beyond, uh, we uh, ask you to come and speak to us this morning, Jesus, to remind us uh, what the truth is that we're to be witnessing to. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll start with this. This is a quote from Cobb, a character from the movie Inception. He says it this way. What is the most resilient parasite? Bacteria? A virus? An intestinal worm? An idea? Resilient, highly contagious. Once an idea has taken hold of the brain, it is almost impossible to eradicate. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks right in there somewhere. An idea is like a virus. Resilient, highly contagious, and even the smallest seed of an idea can grow. It can grow to define you or destroy you. And hence, 
When Satan comes to spark rebellion in humanity, uh, when he comes to destroy what God has built, he doesn't come with guns or bombs or a really big stick. He comes with an idea. A simple concept which once uh, inserted into the mind would spread like a virus. Is God actually good? Does God actually love me? Unleash an idea and rebellion, chaos, and death result. But on the ground, in real time, it sounds something like this. Did God really say? Is God actually good? Can he actually be trusted? Did what he say, uh, is that actually true? Suddenly, Adam and Eve aren't so sure. We think that uh, skepticism is a modern concept. I say it's as ancient as any other. Satan has been using the same tactic all throughout history, and it works like a charm. His goal is not that you would believe a, a specific lie from him or a specific set of countertruths that he's looking to instill. Rather, his goal is that you would believe anything but the truth. Any lie will do. Any untruth, any half truth. They're all equally acceptable because they all accomplish that goal. And hence, the spiritual battle that is raging in the heavenly realms, uh, the one that humanity was born into, uh, actually comes to us as a war of ideas, truth, and lies. Ideas can come to define you or destroy you. There is power in ideas, and hence truth and lies become a central issue in discipleship. Listen to Jesus' scathing critique of the corrupt religious elite in his day. He says it this way. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Notice how this battle, it manifests itself eventually in a real murder in hatred, in war, in violence, in crucifixion, but it is born out of ideas. The truth and lies. And hence, uh, Satan's primary tactic is not to stir the crowds toward murder. That's plan B. His primary tactic is to come at Jesus with an idea. If you really are the Son of God, 
then tell these stones to become bread, then jump from the temple wall, whatever it is. Uh, God just said just a few verses earlier at his baptism, this is my son. But then in comes Satan with this line, did God really say? If you really are the son of God. The battle for the heart of humanity has always been between truth and lies. Plant an idea in the mind and it spreads like a virus. It seems that Satan was practicing inception long before a movie was ever made about it. This tactic is as old as humanity itself. The only thing that has changed in recent years, and in the last few decades in particular, is that now we are all plugged into the vast digital matrix that is the internet, social media, and YouTube. And we spend hours a day, on average, uh, being shaped by online content and online forces. Uh, We are now willingly plugged in uh, to the most sophisticated behavior-shaping mechanism ever created, in which your every click, scroll, and like is recorded, uh, harvested, and mapped in order to sell to the highest bidder. We live in a world in which supercomputers are interacting with you in real time, doing whatever they can to keep you online. A world in which a multi-billion dollar war is being waged day in and day out for your attention. A world in which our data, uh, collected unknowingly in the background, is now worth more than oil. The multi-billion dollar oil industry was just passed by the selling of your internet data. And if a company, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Google, whoever, can capture your attention and keep you engaged online, then they make money. The more time you spend online using their platform, uh, the more money they make. And this is how all of this affects the truth and lies. Uh, Supercomputers, otherwise known as AI or artificial intelligence, uh, is designed to keep you online. That's its goal. Uh, So it will suggest content to you that will extend your online time. But here's the glaring problem with this system, and it's this we are more likely to engage with lies than with the truth. We live in a world in which fake news spreads six times faster online than real news, which isn't even really a fair fight. Uh, A world in which clickbait wins the day. Uh, A world in which outrage, shock, and conspiracy theories pique curiosity and keep you engaged better than everyday truth. Uh, Apparently, according to the numbers, reality is boring uh, 
And we are actually stirred, drawn by things that are unreality, that are untrue. And so AI, which is designed to keep you engaged online, uh, has figured out that feeding you fake news and conspiracy theories is actually the best way to keep you online, which in turn is the best way to sell advertisements, which in turn is the best way to print billions of dollars in marketing revenue for the people who designed AI. AI and Satan are now best buds. Not because AI is inherently evil. I want to say that again. It's not because AI is inherently evil, but because AI doesn't have a clue. AI does not know truth. It cannot know truth. It has no way of distinguishing between truth and lies. It has no concept of those things. It has no barometer. AI has simply tapped into the human psyche and through mass experimentation, it has discovered that human beings actually prefer lies to the truth. Nothing holds our attention quite like a good lie. And AI only knows how to hold your attention. Think of it this way. If uh, Bible verses and encouraging sermons captured the public attention, if that's what extended our online time, if that's what uh, held us there, if that's what we were drawn to, then that's what AI would do. It would feed everyone uh, Bible verses and encouraging sermons. AI couldn't care less. Uh, If that's what would capture your attention and keep you online, then that's what AI would do. And uh, the creators of AI and the executives at YouTube and Facebook and Google would be perfectly happy to run advertisements on the side uh, and make their billions. The problem is that that's not what captures your attention. What captures our attention is the latest fake news headline involving a well-known politician. What captures our attention is a conspiracy theory video on YouTube claiming that the earth is flat or that Democrats are criminals or that climate change is a hoax, or that the coronavirus doesn't exist, or that the 5G network is actually causing mass insanity, or that Donald Trump is the Antichrist, or whatever it is. And 3.5 hours later, we're logging off of our devices in a daze, wondering where our evening went, partially regretting the time that was lost, but like any good drug addict, we are perfectly happy to crawl back again and repeat the process the next day. To make matters worse, AI knows you so well 
that it will suggest content in line with your worldview and in line with your bias because it knows you better than you know yourself. It knows which conspiracy theories you are most prone to believe based on a very sophisticated online profile uh, of who you are based on your data. Uh, it knows which political party you are most likely to hate, and then it suggests material accordingly. So as an example of this uh, personalization mechanism, uh, if each one of us were to uh, pull out the same news app uh, right here, right now, we could all open the same app on our phones for news. And uh, in many cases, we would all be getting different news feeds suggested to us when we do that based on our online data psychological profile that's been mapped out by AI. It's based on AI's knowledge of who you are. So none of us are actually seeing the same things, even if we're on the same news app, which means, stick with me for a moment, which means that each one of us, and to some degree, is being fed half-truth or untruth because that's what sells and keeps us engaged. And we're all being given different versions of untruth, which means that every single one of us over time is slowly being isolated into our own version of false reality. And everyone's bubble is different than all the others. And hence, you have more polarization in our culture than ever before. And there's a major crisis of truth. We have literally been ushered into a world in which no one knows what's true and what's false. Everything feels like spin. Everything seems like fake news. Everyone lives in their own weird little bubble of reality being shaped by AI, and everyone's bubble is increasingly different and specialized, separate from all of the others. We aren't sure anymore what's true and what's not true. We aren't sure anymore who to trust and who not to trust. And Satan is smiling because he loves chaos and untruth. And AI has a digital smile because it has cracked the code and figured out how to capture the vast majority of your free time and attention, just as it was designed to do. And the designers of AI are smiling because they're printing billions and the rest of us sit stunned by a barrage of messages that increasingly blur the truth into oblivion and make us feel as if we're all losing our minds. How's that for a conspiracy theory? Now more than ever, we resonate with the words of Pontius Pilate, who while questioning Jesus in prison, simply says, truth? What is truth? A haunting question which now hangs over our digitally confused culture. Truth, what is truth? 
Where is truth? We aren't sure anymore. Is there any hope in all of this? I say yes. I'm going to suggest that we are coming into a time uh, in our growing truth crisis in which people are hungry for truth, uh, in, in which people are hungry for reality as it actually exists. Uh, to quote the prophetic word that I read uh, last week, uh, people today are seeking genuine truth in this crazy world of sound bites and spin. And in the words of Jesus of Nazareth, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Brothers and sisters, the Bible that you hold in your hands is God's truth. It is the very truth that we are to carry into the culture, to a witness to the culture. It is not to be ignored, uh, set aside, or radically reinterpreted to fit the latest cultural trends, but rather it is to be read, studied, delighted in, meditated on, and brought into the culture as a prophetic witness against its insanity, as an anchor in a growing storm. We were meant to be shaped by this truth. What are you being shaped by? Three, four, five hours a day. Uh, Where is that time going? Who is shaping you? Who is forming you? Silicon Valley via AI or Jesus of Nazareth? via the truth. You were meant to witness, to share this truth with the culture. Uh, What are you witnessing about? Uh, Do our, our lives, does our witness reflect and share the reality that Jesus is back from the dead? Uh, Or are we more focused on the latest conspiracy theory or the latest gadget or the latest YouTube video or meme or whatever it is? Uh, What do we share with others? What do you do when you are presented with half-truth or untruth? Are you able to stand on God's truth? Are you able to stand toe-to-toe with Satan as Jesus did in the desert, to stand on the truth, to quote scripture, to speak truth to power? That's our call as witnesses. We are called to stand before the cultural powers of our day and speak truth. That's literally the, the definition of a witness. Are we ready to stand on this truth, to study this truth, to be shaped by this truth? Uh, Are we ready to witness about its contents and its accuracy before the cultural powers of our day? Our culture is slowly coming to the end of itself and beginning to ask that, that haunting question from Pontius Pilate, truth What is truth? 
may we be those who are prepared to answer that question. Let's pray. Jesus, we uh, invite you to examine our hearts this morning, Lord, uh, to bring conviction where there needs to be conviction, uh, where our sense of reality and unreality, where our sense of true and untrue uh, is being shaped more uh, by AI and online digital content that in all reality has, has no correlation to the actual truth. Uh, or are we being shaped by something deeper? Uh, are we being shaped uh, by the Holy Spirit? Are we being shaped uh, by the scriptures that we have uh, available to us that many of us have sitting in our laps right now? I, I think of a, a teaching that I heard a few weeks ago from a Spokane pastor uh, who, who said, we should, be, we should be shaped more, uh, we should spend more time being shaped by God's truth than we do uh, on social media. And, and part of me just leapt up and said, yes, that makes so much sense. And the other part of me just scoffed. Uh, because Jesus, where are we going to find three, four, five hours a day uh, to be shaped more by scripture than by social media? Um, and, and so we invite you into that tension, Lord. We invite you into uh, this key central question of who and what we are being shaped by. Uh, because the, the culture that we live in, as we'll discuss in this series, Lord, it needs us to be faithful witnesses. Uh, it needs us to carry the truth into the culture, uh, unadulterated uh, into the culture and to speak truth to power. Would you uh, keep us faithful in our witness, Lord? Would you keep us grounded on the truth of Scripture? Uh, and ultimately, as we carry truth into the world, would we find those who are ready to receive it, Lord? Would we find those whose hearts are softened. We're called to carry the truth either way. We're called to witness either way. But would we also see the joy firsthand of people who encounter the truth, who resonate with the truth uh, in this world uh, of sound bites and spin? Would we see people come to life in you? Would we see people grounded in the truth, flourishing in a world that seems to be losing its mind? May we have the privilege of seeing in our time, in our place, in our context, and in your name we pray. Amen.